0: 360 degrees, ha ha, 360 degrees, ha ha. 360, 360, 360 degrees, ha ha.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to 2021, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley. This week, we will dive into the new year with you, and on tonight's show, we will hear the voices of the newest apprentices as they begin their studies and training to eventually take the full circle mic we'll also get an update from the situation in Yemen and the hopes for a new year and the new US administration joining us will be Dr Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation and Jahan Hakim of Yemeni Alliance Committee and later we'll close out the show with our own Joy Moore and her thoughts going into this new year. All that and, of course, some great music tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, again, Will and Franklin. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am your host tonight, freewill and Franklin, And a big Happy New Year to you all. Hey, bring it on 2021. We're flipping ready over here, bud. (laughs) Anyways, I'm really hoping for a great 21. Let's get it together and kick this COVID's butt. And also, let's get it together and keep the heat on these newly elected officials to be sure they are serving our communities properly and fairly. And yes, that includes our new president and vice president. I have been in the streets during the Bush administration, the Obama administration, the Trump years, and I know I'll be in the streets to hold Biden and Harris accountable. Okay, enough of my little rant. Um, I want to share something special with you all tonight, and that is the awesome new voices we have come into full circle in 2021. Like the rest of the world, we here at KPFA and the First Voice Apprenticeship Program have had to adapt to our changing situation due to COVID-19 restrictions, but we are happy to report that we have now begun online classes and training to keep our voices fresh and ever-changing. Here are three of our new First Voice apprentices, Ozzie, Devon, and Pamela.
2: Well, hi. My name is Ozzie Carter, and I use the she, her, and they pronouns. You know, staying relevant is my primary concern. And as an artist and curator, I want to provide a platform for others. Now, (laughs) my passions, As an agent for social change, things revolve around the criminal justice system, my passion. And this includes the dismantling of the prison industrial complex, replacing it with the healing and restorative justice practices that emphasizes repairing the harm that's caused by criminal behavior. It also gives victims the chance to meet or communicate with their offender to explain the real impact of crime. It empowers victims by giving them a voice. And it also holds offenders accountable for what they have done and helps them to take responsibility by making amends. You know, this is indigenous practices, indigenous remedies, and hopefully to end the need for police and prisons. And I know that might be a little far-fetched for a lot of us to wrap our heads around, but when you want to see something different, it, you know, we see it as how we would like for it to be and then to work toward that ultimate goal. And, you know, I believe that radio is a popular and very powerful tool. Not only does radio broadcast provide the most recent updates, news, and real-time information, Radio is about companionship and the emotional connection with the listener. You know, sometimes listening motivates you to use your imagination because you don't get to see, but you get to experience another one of your senses. And it even helps with your moods while connecting and listening within your own community. Radio is a thing that uh, keeps us connected and grounded. One of the things that I found very crucial is giving voice to the voiceless to individuals who have been impacted i believe that it's healing there because when you tell your story it's a cathartic relief and it also heals not only yourself but it's an extension of yourself because when you speak others heal from you whether you're whether you're touching and telling their story or telling someone else's story and they can hear and feel that through your voice Mm. and it's the magic of heart-to-heart connection and that's what I think listening to the radio we listen not only with our ears but also with our hearts
3: You got Darren Devon on the mic, listening to KPFA for pretty much most of my like adult life. Definitely since I turned 18. Just how informative they were. Democracy Now was actually like the first like show on the uh, radio station that I just like kind of fell in love with. Like the, the reporting is so accurate. That's the stuff that I look for. Um, and then I like donated a couple of times. I've been listening to hip hop since to listen to music. Actually, I think my first. Uh, song that I rapped to my mom was an ODB song. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, ever since then, it's just been me and hip-hop, you know. Right now, it just plays the role of, like, expression for me and collecting and delivering a message of positivity and being about social change like really trying to relieve some of the toxic masculinity that's like really taking a hold of this country.
4: Will you finish this sentence for us? If you really knew me, you'd know.
3: A legit cry baby. like I cry at movies, cry at TV shows, cry for animes and stuff. Not ashamed about it at all. For me, it's just a way to connect back with my spirit. If something touches me, feel like I gotta let it out, I'm gonna just let it out. There's nothing wrong with being vulnerable person and that's something that i'm trying to like accept about myself man love is everything to me really everything i think about like my loved ones and i think about the people that are without their loved ones it just makes my heart feel something i live this life for the sake of love my family is everything whereas love is universal like if people understood that about love we would just be able to move through life a little bit more positively. One of the questions that we had like that you prompted me for was uh, how many lives do you think you've lived? Mm -hmm. I would say in this short little 23 years of my life I already lived at least four or five for real because there's been some monumental things that have happened in my life. Man, like if I could duplicate this or if I could go back and change this what what would what would come about from that, you know, Mm -hmm. and Obviously, I don't wanna be stuck in the past because that's not what change is about. Change is ever moving, always moving forward. But learning from my mistakes is the best way that I could say my, my relationship to change is.
5: This is Positive Pamela with the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I started to get involved in it because for 20 years I've been doing classroom teaching of accounting and QuickBooks and became an expert in that field with quotes around the word expert. And I had this desire to be able to articulate more precisely. So I started this quest, and then of course I listened to KPFA all the time and found out about the um, First Voice Apprenticeship Program. So that's what started the path into the apprenticeship. And then I wanted to learn how to have a, a radio voice only presence and i wanted to focus really on areas that are sort of swept up in all the things that happen to us on a daily basis and that's around finances Hmm. not just the disparity of finances and how that impacts our social order but how individuals cope with finances whether you've got a lot of money or a little money it's important to know how much you have or don't have. And so I found in the classes I taught for these years, people are kind of afraid of numbers. And I love numbers because I got my accounting degree at some point. And so I like numbers because they're, everything is controlled in our whole world by zero and one, either on or off and so i started thinking about that in relation to how important it is to become friendly with these tools that would help people manage things on an individual basis and make some sense out of what happens on on a big social level so are you thinking of creating a show around this i would like to eventually do that and have interviews with different people and bring in other experts like Richard wolf if I could get him. <laughs> <laughs> people like that. He's very knowledge. He actually inspired me uh listening to his program. I learned I realized one day that I learned more from him about Karl Marx than I had learned in college.
1: Oh wow and
5: The way he explains things, he does it in baby steps, which everybody likes baby steps when they're learning something new.
1: Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and KPFA.org. I am Freewell and Franklin, your host tonight. And those voices you just heard were from our new group of first voice apprentices that last voice was positive pamela in the middle there was daring devon and kicking us off was auspicious ozzy they are three of seven new apprentices that make up group 46 let's take a listen now to the remaining group mates here is diana basim shiloh and nika
6: Hi everyone, this is Delightful Deanna coming to you from KPFA 94.1, the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My background is in journalism, but written journalism. Um, I've been a newspaper reporter and done some magazine editing. And I started doing some research on a topic that really interested me, which was kids uh, raised in extremist organizations or cults, as people call them. And I decided I wanted to try presenting this information as a podcast. So I started trying to teach myself audio. I did take a few little classes, but not enough to really, really learn how to use the equipment and everything properly. So I did create a podcast. And in doing this, I realized I loved audio. I wanted to learn more about it. I hoped one day to work in radio. I, I kind of wanted to change my focus. So I uh, you know, I heard about the, the KPFA uh, First Voice apprenticeship. It seemed like a great way to raise my knowledge about all the things I would need to know to work in audio and in radio. So that's what brought me here. I'm definitely interested in kind of Furthering my presentation of this topic, I'm really interested in, in women's rights and, and domestic violence, and I'm not sure specifically what kind of new program I would wanna do relating to this, but I would like to look at these issues and take a look at the controlling behaviors that have hindered our rights in our speech. So that's one, one thing I would like to do with this experience. And it's ex- especially poignant at the moment because you know of everything we're going through in the pandemic, domestic violence rates are going up, and uh, it's just definitely an issue that I think should be looked at further. I'm also a grad student. I'm studying the psychology of coercive control, and domestic violence is one of the topics that that is discussed. Um, so I'm furthering my knowledge in that, and I really hope that I can I can bring it to KPFA.
0: This is Basim. You are listening to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. I always loved radio and I grew up in the Middle East in an area filled with uh, oppressed voice. No one can speak anything. So this is my opportunity to come to this free land to uh, talk about things, to try to let our Community, my community, to tell what's going on with them, what's going on with their life. Most important thing, because our region been uh, occupied military for over hundred years since the British and the French took over uh, in the early 1900s. I would like to uh, try to fix their men- mentality. We have so many uh, mind been been uh, destroyed, so that's why first I need to look into their mind to see if they can talk about their miseries fight wars whatever can come but the most important thing to let them or to let our community the people who get like so many damage in their mind to have the chance to talk about it to open it to let other people like open it when you open things it will help them to 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 come over it to go or you know to fix their issues so that's the main, the most important thing. And then I would like to focus on what issues that they're facing here. And of course, like the community been uh, against each other. I would like to see how we can open channels between the different groups, different mind, different religion. KPFA will give me that, the chance to open my voice. I've been oppressed in my region. Here, I would like to Ask him to give us the chance and look at us as before anything. We are not bad people. We are human. So they give us the chance to listen to us, to, to just to feel with us, to look at us from the heart. Don't judge us on any uh, issues they can might know or hear. Just give us, hear our voices. I hope we can do that actually through this uh, KPFA, which is one of the most important radio in the area.
4: This is Shiloh. I am an educator for liberation and I come from prison abolitionist work. I am an artist that works in social practice and I have lived in the town for over 20 years so it feels like home to me. I started out working with Mumia Abu Jamal a long time ago because I think maybe before you were even born he was on death row and I thought we thought they were going to kill him so so we did a lot I did a lot of work in Portland and Philadelphia before I moved to the Bay working with move and um, for Mia. I love the fact that KPFA it is a listener sponsored radio station I am a extreme anti capitalists I think capitalism and colonialism is the root of all evil. And if we had a different economic system for exchange of value, um, it would be a much different world that we live in. And so I love the fact that they don't take money from um, corporations. And so they have freedom and they tell stories and they document what's really happening on the ground. So I was introduced to KPFA through democracy now, but I love that they're the oldest listener-sponsored radio station in the U.S. And Davey, Davey D. is one of my heroes and um, I love hard knock radio. So between Democracy Now! and hard knock radio, I was hooked. When I was in high school, I went to a public high school in Idaho and when I, I really didn't like it so I used to skip school all the time. And then my counselor was like, hey, yo, what if I turn let you turn our bathroom into a dark room? Will you, instead of leaving, instead of dipping, will you just come in and develop photographs? And I said, sure. And so it kind of saved me. Mm. I had a 4.0, but I also was about to be expelled for um, cutting classes. Right. So that started when I was um, like 17, 16, 17. And I really thought in the beginning that photography could change the world. Like if we just documented the injustices, then they would stop. And fast forward, you know, Oscar Grant and Trayvon Martin and a bunch of other things. And I realized that um, documenting it isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Here we are still with George Floyd. So I've been thinking about creative practice and how to have society and social practice be a part of my art practice in collaboration so that behavior will change and not just ideas. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been doing poetry and performance And photography and video because they all have one thing in common and that's storytelling Mm. and I think it's important to speak truth to power and I think the best way to do that is through story I think it creates an an opportunity for connection that um, my activism from my 20s when I was really angry didn't really do much (laughs) so
7: My name is Nika, Um, I am a young person living in the Bay Area of California and I love plants. (laughs) I am a teacher, I'm a writer, I'm a musician and the topics that are most important to me are um, environmental justice and reclamation of land and culture. I really believe in bringing people together to talk about important things from different sects. That means policymakers with grassroots organizers, with farmers, with researchers to come together to talk about environmental issues and see how they're their specialties intersect and how we can all create a better world together and um, i think that part of the reason i want to be on the radio is because i think that radio is a you know a powerful consciousness building tool you can hear so many different people share their perspectives sharing their stories and what are we as humans if we're not storytellers and sponges for you know different different stories that people tell so I just believe in radio because I believe in hearing a lot of different perspectives, and I've learned so much from the radio. Everything from, like, I don't know, astrophysics to like histories of all different types of lands. And, you know, I've learned so many different things just by listening to, to podcasts and radio. So I really appreciate the power of radio because of even what I've learned and what I've been able to be exposed to through that type of media.
1: Hey, 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 you are listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and online worldwide all the time at kpfa.org. And those voices you just heard will soon be producing and hosting this show, Full Circle. And they were in reverse order. You just heard Nonconforming Nika, Sentient Shiloh, Balanced Basim, and kicking that piece off was Delightful Diana. I really appreciate them recording each other through the internet for one of our classes a couple weeks ago, and I'm also really excited to be helping them get their chops up and get them creating more content for the show in this new year, 2020, uh, 2021. Let's take a short music break, and we'll be right back with more Full Circle Coming up next, an in-depth look at the situation in Yemen. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and of course, worldwide, all the time on kpfa.org. I'm your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And that song you just heard was A New Day Yesterday by Jethro Tull. And before that, we heard some of the new voices that will soon be producing this show, Full Circle, coming up in 2021. All right, we're going to move on now and get an update to what's going on in Yemen and what some hopes are for the new year and the new Biden administration. Will the flow of weapons continue unabated to the Saudis and the UAE who are using them to devastate Yemen and the Yemeni people? Or will the new administration put the brakes on this man-made humanitarian catastrophe? Let's check out an interview I did earlier this week with Dr. Aisha Juman, of the Yemeni Relief and Reconstruction Foundation, and Jahan Hakim of the Yemeni Alliance Committee. I want to bring our attention now in this new year to the ongoing situation still unfolding in Yemen. It has been about six years since the U.S.-backed Saudi coalition has begun its aerial bombing campaign and naval blockade of Yemen This, of course, has led to the direct killing of thousands of Yemeni civilians due to the bombs and other munitions. But, of course, this has also plunged Yemen into a man-made humanitarian crisis with half of the entire population basically starving, and unfortunately, uh, many starving to death. This is also including thousands of children. Well, I got two guests tonight. Dr. Aisha Juman is a... Yemeni scholar, and she's joining us also is Jehan Hakim. She works with the Yemeni Alliance Committee, and we appreciate you two coming on tonight. So let's start off with a little history so people can understand how we got here in 2021. What happened in 2015 when the then Yemeni president Mansour Hadi was ousted by the possibly the Houthi fighters. Um, Mansour Hadi, then president, fled to Saudi Arabia, where he called for military support from the Saudi government. So I think a lot of people don't know, you know, what really is happening in Yemen, what happened back then. Can one of you tell us, was this a popular uprising? Was this a rebel coup? Aisha Juman, can you bring us up to date on uh, what caused this?
8: You're right. There was, I think, a combination of a popular uprising. Like many of the Middle Eastern countries, what was called then the Arab Spring that started in Tunisia, spread to the rest of the Arab walls, including Yemen. And that led to um, Ali Abdullah Saleh, who was president of, of Yemen for over 30 years, to leave the presidency and handed to um, Abd al-Mansur Hadi. He was to be president uh, for a two-year period. Uh, and during that those two years, there were uh, what they called national dialogue between all the different uh, factions in Yemen. Uh, However, in the national dialogue, there were two groups that were not represented or listened to or heard to. Um, One was the Houthi group that was from the northern parts of Yemen, and the other one was the cessationist movement that was in the southern part of Yemen. And as the decisions were being made without really listening to these two groups, uh, it led to a lot of uh, political uh, instability in the area. Ali Abdullah Saleh at that point in time also actually worked with the Houthis to allow them to come to Sana'a and take control. One thing that a lot of people don't realize is when that happened, um, the whole issue took place or without fighting, which is very surprising for a country uh, like Yemen, where the population is heavily armed. So they went into Sana'a, they took control, there was an agreement between all the different groups at that point in time to have a unity government representing everybody. The UN envoy to Yemen at that point in time was uh, Jamal bin Omar, who um, actually announced that the different government, the different groups in Yemen had agreed to have a unity government. When he made that announcement, unfortunately, the Saudi called him into Riyadh, and and within 48 hours about, they started um, their air campaign, airstrikes campaign, and blockade of Yemen. So that's basically what happened, summarizing a, a very long period of time.
1: Thank you for bringing us up to date on that. As I keep searching through the internet, to learn about Yemen, you could see that it's not well reported on. It's difficult to find information, especially um, past information on how this started. Let's talk about um, what I mentioned in the opening, and that is that thousands of civilians have been killed um, directly by these bombings, and many thousands more are starving, lacking crucial medicines, and are dying because of that. Can you bring us up to date on the bombing, the blockade, Are the bombs still dropping? Is aid, food, and medicine still being blocked at the port? Uh, Where are we now, especially in the midst of this global pandemic, COVID-19?
8: So Yemen has been bombed daily uh, since March of 2015. That's almost six years of daily bombing. That has not stopped. Uh, The bombing targeted, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the civilian infrastructure in Yemen, including um, roads. There is a report that showed that the Saudi purposefully targeted a lot of the bridges connecting different uh, states in Yemen, and especially the capital Sana'a to isolated Sana'a is landlocked, and without those bridges that bring in food, and fuel and medicine uh, It would have been really a very devastating uh, situation for the population there. They targeted hospitals. We know uh, that MSF um, and Doctors Without Borders, at least four of their hospitals had been destroyed. 50% of the Yemeni health units and centers had been destroyed. They have targeted funeral homes, they've targeted Everything, and mostly they've also targeted food uh, in Yemen. So anything that produces food, uh, all plants that produce food had been um, bombed. I actually think that that was purposeful to create famine in Yemen because they are trying to pressure the uh, population in Yemen to assist them in their war and aggression on Yemen. And they feel by punishing the Yemeni population that they will have an uprising. Um, So in addition to that, as you know, they also have a blockade on Yemen limiting what gets into Yemen. For example, in June, July, and September of this year, the uh, percentage of fuel that got into Yemen is less than 1% of what Yemen needs. And we we all know the importance of fuel Uh, for everything, whether you want to start work in hospitals. A lot of the hospitals had either reduced the number of hours they're working or closed completely. So they determine what gets into Yemen. When it gets to Yemen, a lot of the ships are diverted to Jeddah port, and they can stay up to uh, 200 and so days. And then the Yemeni population has to pay for uh, the fees of delaying the unloading uh, and the holding of these ships for over 200 days. Those fees end up being in millions of dollars. Uh, Famine in Yemen is actually now happening. Um, UN just reported in December that there are 13 million people in Yemen uh, today who are food insecure. And they expect that number um, next year will go up to over 16 million people. So it, you know, when the UN called Yemen, the largest humanitarian crisis in the world, uh, it is the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. And the sad part about, about this that it is uh, man-made. It can be prevented. Uh, it can be uh, this, all these atrocities can be lifted. And the most heartbreaking for me as a yemeni American is that the US government is supporting all of this.
1: Well, we're going to talk about that now, how this is being enabled. And that voice you just heard was the voice of one of my guests, Dr. Aisha Juman. And also with this is Jahan Hakim of Yemeni Alliance Committee. Well, let's talk now about how this is enabled by the United States, the UK, and other countries in the coalition. Um, The weapons, the logistical support, as many of our listeners know, the US has played a major role in enabling this devastation. We, like I said, along with the UK, have been supplying the Saudis with an endless stream of weapons, basically nonstop, even in the face of the clearly one-sidedness the civilian suffering, and the possible war crimes. Let's talk about Trump and this obsession with these weapon sales. In uh, mid-2019, he vetoed a series of bills that were aimed at stopping the flow of weapons to the Saudi kingdom. These bills made it through the Senate with bipartisan support. Even Lindsey Graham um, was in favor of this. It's clear to most that we should not be supplying these weapons and support. Yet Trump was claiming that stopping the sale would weaken the U.S. in the international market. And he is also now, before he gets out, pushing a last-minute deal to supply another $500 million deal to provide so-called precision-guided aerial-to-ground munitions. Why this obsession of Trump and what's the relationship between Trump and the Saudis that is driving these deals, even against the Senate's recommendations. Let's uh, bring in Jahan on this.
9: Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing, Aisha, the human impact of this uh, war, which has been called the world's worst humanitarian crisis that we've seen in decades in modern history. I also wanted to shout out uh, Aisha Jum'ah because she is also the president and founder of our partner organization who provides necessary aid, even with all of the dynamics, the internal clashes. Uh, her group is volunteer led. They are called YRRF. I encourage folks to, you know, if they're in the capacity to donate to donate to YRRF, the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Um, so you, you know a lot of people here about this country this little country across the ocean and why should we care? Because I see a lot when, you know, progressives like Rokwana or Bernie Sanders are tweeting about Yemen. I oftentimes see many Americans saying, well, why should we care? Can we focus home? Um, And I, I understand and I agree that our systems of education and healthcare and housing are a mess and they impact Americans in a real way. But we must stop disconnecting ourselves from where our taxes go and how international investments are contracted and what stain this is leaving on our ugly history and presumed future. Um, As you all know, US imperialism is not new and it's manifested differently by region, right? And we all as, as Americans have a role whether to be proactive or reactive and try to do something about it or remain complicit and turn a blind eye at the U.S. bombs that drop in Yemen have nothing to do with us. Um, So specifically, what the role of the U.S. has looked like. So since March of 2015, as Aisha mentioned, mentioned, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and its coalition of a lot of other Arab uh, partners, which at one point were over 30 countries, have been bombing Yemen from above. So it's aerial bombardment. They're not on the ground. There are no boots on the ground. And the coalition has been backed and supported by the U.S. and the U.K., who have been training Saudi forces. The U.S., we also maintain, repair, and upgrade the coalition's vehicles and aircrafts. We provide intelligence support and targeting assistance. And when I say targeting assistance, that school bus that was bombed in 2018 of August full of school children who were killed, that was our targeting assistance. We also have Green Berets, U.S. Special Forces, at the Saudi-Yemeni border. Um, the U.S. used to refuel Saudi war uh, planes mid-air until 2018. And I want to mention why 2018, because that is the year that Khashoggi, the Washington Post journalist, was murdered by the Saudi regime. So something was scaled back back in 2018, um, but not much, as you can see, because we still provide military support. What the Obama administration did under, uh, in 2015, uh, which continued under under Trump, unfortunately, was provide the coalition which, uh, with weapons from uh, U.S.-made bomb manufacturers such as Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, and Boeing. I want folks to remember these companies because when you are investing in stocks as we speak right now, these are companies that you don't want to make money from. These companies have blood money, have have blood on their hands, and Yemeni blood specifically. Um, There have been over 120 arms contracts totaling $120 million a month. And since 2015, the U.S. has not only been complicit, but also has been an active culprit in this war, which has generated a tremendous amount of profit. And you know, to be clear, without U.S. support, the coalition, which is led by Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, will not have arms, the supplies, or the support needed to continue to, waging this brutal war on our people. The U.S. is fueling the war in Yemen. The Yemeni people are also still banned. Uh, are restricted travel to come into the United States. So, you know, the U.S. is complicit on on many levels.
1: Thank you, Jahan. And that is the voice of Jahan Hakim, Yemeni Alliance Committee activist. And before that, you heard the voice of Dr. Aisha Juman. We have been getting an important update on the humanitarian crisis in Yemen. We're going to take a short music break here. And... When we return we're going to find out what are the hopes for 2021 what is the hopes for a biden harris administration and what can we do about this ongoing devastation that um, our country is contributing to is responsible for Um, we'll talk about that when we return in just a moment after this break stay with us All right, welcome back to Full Circle. I'm your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. And I'm going to let our guest, Aisha Juman, uh, tell us uh, briefly about that song. Aisha, uh, tell us the name and the artist of that song and maybe some of the poignant words that they had said.
8: So, uh, the artist who is in that song is his name is Abu Bakr Salim. He is a very famous uh singer from Yemen. He's famous throughout the Arab world. And this song is called "My Mom Yemen." Um, it's a very a beautiful song where he talks to Yemen as a country as if he's talking to his mom.
1: We have been getting an important update on the humanitarian crisis in Yemen. Like I mentioned, this has been a devastating six years in Yemen, this ongoing tragedy has been going on through the Obama administration, rolled on through the Trump administration, and is about to be handed off to the incoming Biden-Harris administration. Let's take it back to uh, Aisha Juman real quick what are you hoping for and working towards in 2021 especially now that the incoming new administration is here is there any hopes or signs that a biden harris administration will be any different than trump or obama administrations
8: of course that is the hope that we all have uh without hope it's going to be really very difficult for us to proceed, you know think of what's going to come after six years of atrocities committed against the Yemeni people with the U.S. administration support. Biden is said to have been against the war from the beginning. Um, He had spoken publicly against it during the campaign uh, trail, so we are very hopeful that he will keep his word and that he, he will end the U.S. support for the Saudi war on Yemen. Uh, without U.S. support, this war cannot go on—not even for a single day. Bruce Raadell, who is, uh, you know, a national security expert and had worked f- for the U.S. government for over 30 years, national security uh, issued had said that every day American support enables this war. He said, "Not a single plane can take off without." Uh, American support. And the Trump administration concern that they may buy uh weapons from other countries, it will take the Saudi and the Emiratis at least 10 years to be able to use uh weapons from other countries because all everything they have right now is American made. So yes, we are hoping for peace. We're hoping that the Kamala Harris administration are gonna keep their word, uh they're gonna stop the support uh for dictators, basically, uh, in the Middle East, and make sure that there is a peace agreement. The Saudis will never sit down and negotiate peace in good faith unless there is pressure from the US administration. We've seen that uh, happen at the end of 2018 when both uh, houses, the House of Representatives and, and the Senate, voted to. Um, Stop supporting the Saudi war, which was then vetoed by President uh, Trump. They actually did sit down and negotiate in good faith. However, once that once that vetoed, they just decided to not continue the process. So we are hoping for a just peace. We're hoping that the blockade will be lifted. We're hoping that Yemen will be rebuilt. Uh, Jihan alluded to something that's extremely important. And that is the ban on the Yemeni people entry into the U.S. There are about uh, 4 million internally displaced people in Yemen who cannot leave Yemen. Of course, one is a blockade. But second is also even if they wanted to come to other countries, because that's how you get to hear about a conflict is when there are refugees. There are four million people internally displaced by the war in Yemen that have been banned by uh, the U.S. government uh, from seeking refuge. And the U.S. sets precedents, president, which people don't realize. So once the U.S. says people from this country cannot come to the U.S., a lot of other countries uh, follow suit and do the same thing. Another thing, also, and. I'm, I would like to add is that also this administration suspended eight Yemen uh, in the middle of a COVID-19 outbreak. A lot of people in Yemen have told us, especially when we distribute food to uh, families in need, that they would rather die of COVID-19 than die of hunger, because that would be a much faster death for them. So we are all hopeful. That a lot of the suffering will end uh, with the new administration in place.
1: Thank you, Aisha Juman. Uh, Dr. Aisha Juman, I keep forgetting that, I'm sorry. Um, thank you for that information. And then, uh, Jahan, uh, you and the Yemeni Alliance Committee have been working nonstop, not only to bring awareness uh, to what's happening in Yemen and the roles that the U.S., the U.K. and the other actors are playing, but also working to bring this to an end, speaking the truth to power and elected officials. Um, What does Yemeni Alliance Committee have coming up? Um, in 2021, I know you have a caravan going to take place in January. Um, what are your hopes for 2021? And tell us about that caravan.
9: Yeah, thank you. Um, we're definitely hopeful and we're also going to continue. Fighting. Uh, we know that through Biden campaign, he promised Yemeni Americans two things. First was to abolish the unconstitutional Muslim ban that we mentioned, um, which has separated families over the last uh, almost four years now. Uh, Second was to end U.S. support for Saudi Arabia's war in Yemen. You know, uh, Biden was under Obama in 2015, and they got us into this mess by authorizing arms sales in the first place. Um, So what we are trying to do is um, hold uh, biden's feet to the fire and on january 25th uh, 2021 we are organizing an international day of action where we're collaborating with folks from around the world quite frankly from the uk to france um, to spain and of course here in the united states um, is to join us um, to um, request and command uh, we have these specific asks uh, so we want biden in his first 100 days to restore and expand aid into Yemen, to end arms sales and military support to the coalition. This includes the UAE package that is currently being debated, um, you know, that went through from the Senate, and it's kind of uh, Trump is trying to push it before um, Biden takes office uh, in January 20th, Uh, to end all U.S. support for the war, to rescind the ban, like we said, um, because... Every minute that passes, every 10 minutes specifically, I should add that every 10 minutes uh, that pass, a child under 5 in Yemen dies due to preventable diseases. These are things we could have stopped. So uh, like I said, January 25th, 2021, um, Yemeni Alliance Committee, including YRRF and over 200 organizations from over 20 countries have signed on to a joint statement that is uh, con- condemning uh, the Western powers role in the war in Yemen and calling for as a collective to uh, end US support and UK support and Canadian support, because we know that the arms exporters are uh, also include other countries outside of the US. Specifically in the Bay Area, we're holding a car caravan that is gonna happen in San Francisco uh, at about noon. If you follow us on Facebook, we're gonna have more uh, specific details with the route. It's gonna start at 12 and we're gonna go to the Lockheed Martin corporate office in San Francisco on Battery Street. Then we're gonna loop around to BlackRock and then stop at Pelosi's office. so um, that's another thing that we're doing. And then lastly, I wanted to plug in, um, we're also hosting a film screening, uh, a film by the name of Hunger Ward, which is really going to give us uh, an illustration of what the human impact of this famine looks like and how it uh, impacts children. Um, it's going to be a public uh, screening. So we encourage folks to register and sign on. And they can also go to either our Facebook or Instagram platforms to plug in.
1: Thank you. That is the voice of Jahan Hakeem of the Yemeni Alliance Committee. You could follow Yemeni Alliance Committee on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, we will have a link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. And before uh, Jehan spoke, you heard from Dr. Aisha Juman. I want to thank you too for uh, bringing us up to date and Of course, I am uh, joining you in your hopes uh, for a good outcome for the Yemeni people in 2021. Uh, Thank you for joining me tonight on Full Circle.
9: Thank you. Thank you, KBFA. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Uh,
1: Again, thank you. I appreciate you both. And uh, I will have links to how to contact both of you on our website after the show. Okay, welcome back to Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. You just heard my interview with Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemeni Relief and Reconstruction Foundation and Jahan Hakim of the Yemeni Alliance Committee, and I will post links and information to them and their organizations, including information on the planned caravan on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. Now we're gonna wrap up our show tonight with some thoughts from our own Joy Moore.
10: What the future holds for us, the U.S. Happy New Year, a familiar greeting many of us use this time of year. I don't know if it's a wish, a hope, or a prayer. As the new year turns over, we ask, what's next? If the last four years have taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected, particularly this year. The past four years have seen great changes in our social and political fabric. We're facing the greatest health crisis of our lifetime. The ugly head of racial and economic inequality has grown larger and louder. Our children are traumatized and in need. People are dying in the thousands, and we all wonder, can it get any worse? Yet we know from experience that it can. Yes, it can get much worse, especially if we all go back to sleep, if we don't follow through. Yes, now the Democrats are in the White House with a small majority in the House of Representatives and a possible tie or slight lead in the Senate. But what does that future look like for us, the people? What do we do? We have to continue to hold our so-called representatives' feet to the fire. We have to continue to express our discontent in activity, protesting, marching, writing, talking, singing, dancing, and be the change we want to see. We can't trust the elected folks to keep our interests at the center of their attention. They have funds to raise. We can't expect them all to sacrifice for the good of the people. They have special interests to satisfy. We, the people, have to keep them on task. Watch, listen, pay attention to what is said and done or not. We must see that their actions reflect our priorities, not big business. We must make sure that universal health care happens, that pandemic economic relief comes regularly, that police funds are redirected to social agencies like education and mental health, that fossil fuel pollution and decimation of the planet stops. We have to say it loud, often and with the power of our collective voice and actions. We can bring about the change we need to see now power to the people. This has been Joy Moore, and I hope to enact a happy new year. Peace.
1: And that brings us to the end of the show tonight. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just a little after the show for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show a big shout out to our co- contributing producer tonight joy moore and the full circle crew is executive producer miss m joy moore again is our production consultant i have been your host tonight freewell franklin i am also the technical director for this show full circle thanks for listening tonight everyone and i hope the best for you all and your families in 2021 and remember to please protect your health and your humanity and stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bahita. Good night, everyone.